For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Believe in Sparks on the Believe Podcast Network. It's Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Stacey Pates, and on this week's episode, we welcome in Eli Horowitz, Director of Public Relations and Communications for three-time WNBA champion, L.A. Sparks. Eli, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You have such a great opportunity to get to know these women up close and personal. Let's first talk about one of my faves, Sydney Weiss. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me. And this has been an awesome platform getting to hear both from yourself and, and Sydney and um, catching up with, you know, everything we've been doing this off season with the event with Vivica and Danita. Um, so really appreciate your efforts and um, it's been fun for me actually in a way to kind of just keep up, keep up with Sydney a little bit as you guys kind of discussed what she's doing um, overseas and such. Yeah. Well, it's my privilege. It's been such a joy to get to know uh, your players and, and those close to the staff getting to know you. It's, it's truly a pleasure um, to say that it is such a top notch organization is truly an understatement and you're, on that list of, of wonderful people. What have you, what have you learned about Sydney um, by virtue of working with her and, and listening to her on the podcast? Anything new that you didn't know before? I don't know if, I don't know if any, anything necessarily new, but I always, it's funny, like when I started working for the team, um, obviously I followed her a little bit as far as what she had done in college, but obviously didn't know her personally. And it always struck me right away that I felt like she could have a career like in broadcast or just be a, a personality, a media personality, you know, either during or certainly after her, her basketball days. And I feel like um, that's definitely been confirmed just hearing her work with you. I agree with that. She's got a, a great voice. She's, she's got a high basketball IQ and she's easy to listen to, and she is very smart. The, the day that I asked her to host the show, I just wanted to change things up a little bit. I'm like, hey, I'm going to have you host it. And she was great. She did awesome. And it was at the end of it all, I'm like, man, I definitely would rather be on my side asking the questions rather than answering the questions. But she did such a great, great job. So I'm excited that she's part of the Sparks organization. And I selfishly would love to see her retire there um, many, many years from now. But I don't want to see her ever leave LA and that's selfish. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I think we're fortunate. Um, like even obviously extends well beyond media's things that our players are very talented at out off the court, but within media, obviously with what Candace is doing with Turner and Shanae with ESPN and now Elena Beard with the ACC network and Sydney getting an opportunity 
um, on, on this podcast and, you know, even myself prior to this job, um, you know, I have my master's in journalism and covered the league for a couple of years. So I feel like that is an area that we can continue to help our players find opportunities and um, for them to grow. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that they're able to do that even while they're still playing. I'm happy that you brought that up because I love that, that you're a former basketball coach. You mentioned the journalism piece and teacher. Tell me the backstory of your education, your desire to be in this crazy business of basketball and what led you to the Sparks in particular? Yeah, um, it's definitely been a bit of a, a zigzag for me, but you know, it's funny with the end of the decade, kind of reflecting on that, it, something I realized was kind of a good thing, even though during the process when you're kind of trying different things and, and kind of zigzagging, so to speak, there's obviously can be moments of doubt, but I feel like I can confidently now encourage other young people coming out of college and stuff to, to follow a similar type of path. Um, after school, after Vanderbilt undergrad, um, I did a program called teach for America and ended up teaching high school and coaching basketball for th uh, four years total. Uh, three years was girls varsity basketball and one year of boys. Um, and then after those four years, I knew I wanted to stay connected to basketball. And I went to Columbia for journalism school and started covering both the NBA and the WNBA. Um, and when I moved out to LA, started covering the Sparks more specifically and kind of got to know the front office um, over the course of two years. And when they had this opening um, for PR, you know, they were transparent and said that they actually wanted somebody with a journalism background and somebody that really knew the WNBA and the players as opposed to more of a, like a traditional PR person that just kind of worked for uh, public companies or something like that. So it was kind of like a zigzag, but I kind of look back and realize that the writing experience from journalism and the people experience from coaching and, and being a teacher um, all kind of led to this job that requires a little bit of everything. That was very forward thinking on their part because of how you just laid it out. It makes perfect sense to have somebody uh, with that knowledge and with that uh, ability to write and to tell stories to be in the position that you are. I appreciate that they were so transparent with you. What, what else was it about? Because when you have a journalism degree, and you feel like, okay, now I'm stepping into a little bit different of a role with director of public relations as well as communications. Did you have to reconcile with yourself? Okay, I may not be doing as much writing, but this as a journalist per se, but I might be able to, I mean, you're always ex extending your skills in, in anything that you, you, that you learn to do or new jobs, new tasks that you learn. Was there anything that you had to think twice about because you have a degree in journalism, but now you're stepping into a different role. Or was it an easy decision for you? Well, at the time, it was right before last season, the 2018 season. Um, you know, I graduated in 2017 from the graduate program, and it was like a long year of freelancing and um, kind of 
really trying to find an opportunity, whether it be for a team or in journalism, that could be more steady. And right when the offer kind of came was pretty soon after I'd kind of caught a break and had um, a piece in ESPN and the New York Times. And so there was a level of bittersweet where I felt like I was finally kind of catching some breaks on the journalism side and maybe would have an opportunity to really um, continue on that path. But when I reflected on it, it ultimately was a no brainer because my goal is to grow the coverage of women's basketball. And I I felt that I could overall just have a greater impact um, orchestrating it from the team level with several journalists you know, hopefully down the road, hundreds of journalists, as opposed to what I could put out just myself. I love that in my career as well. I look at uh, maybe one of the first couple of things that I did. Everything was a setup to the next event. Everything was preparing me for the next thing. Had you not coached girls basketball, do you think you would have started to appreciate or want to be part of the WNBA? Did that change the trajectory for you? It did, to be honest. Um, when I started coaching girls basketball, um, one of our players was a big, actually our rivals, but she was a big Maya Moore and Minnesota Lynx fan. And I started really following women's basketball more closely um, so I could connect with my players and encouraging them to watch. And I also kind of grew passion for it because at the school I was coaching, our boys program was a very successful program, but I noticed right away the disparity in resources and fan support and even support from the administration. And, you know, our jerseys looked different, our supplies looked different, our court time was different. Um, And that obviously rubbed me the wrong way. And then Similarly, when I went to journalism school and was even starting just to blog about both leagues, the NBA and the WNBA, I noticed like the extreme disparity in coverage of the two leagues. And it kind of reminded me back to the same kind of disparity I saw coaching. And I think once I kind of saw that in two different spheres, that it it just kind of grew a passion to kind of try to combat that in any ways I could. So I guess to answer your question, um, I feel like that initial exposure via coaching probably is why I'm here today working for the Sparks. I love that. And I love that it really connected you to women's sports and, and you have such a great position now to continue to prop up women in athletics. But A, the most important thing is just showing that I'm there to help get as much coverage as possible. So I think you know, in the first season, we had a lot, a lot of more reporters coming out. And then at this past season, my goal is to have reporters at every single practice, which we were able to accomplish. And I think for me, it's been more about focusing on that and kind of showing the players that I'm going to work hard um, to get them the coverage they deserve. Um, And I think that kind of means more than any um, conversation or, you know, just Obviously, you know, you also develop relationships, but I think at the same time, like I have a job to do. And and to me, that's the best thing I can do to show them how much I care about this. What are some goals that you have set for 2020? You posted something recently on an Instagram story about the percentage 
of media coverage that the women get. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've been very vocal on Twitter and social media. Um, women's sports receives less than 4% of all sports media coverage. Um, that was the last major study in 2014 that's been done on it. Um, while there has been a lot of growth in women's sports coverage, there's also been a lot of growth in men's sports coverage. So I would argue that I'm, the percentages are probably about the same, if not maybe even worse, just because for every women's basketball outlet that you may have seen launched in the last couple of years, um, you've, there's actually probably been more launched on the men's side as well. Um, so I feel that, that the one thing with social media is just that you, you actually do have the opportunity to have a little bit more accountability. Um, I try to never make it personal. Um, I know that, you know, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, I feel like it is unacceptable when you have major newspapers that have nobody on staff hired to cover women's sports, whether it be a WNBA team or, you know, for example, in LA, UCLA women's right now is number 10 in the nation. Um, the Olympics are coming up. Uh, you know, National Women's Soccer League has really grown in the last few years. And the National Women's Hockey League, I know there's a lot. I'm not an expert in that space, but I know that there's a lot of change going on. And that's growing as well. So I feel like in 2020, there's just really no excuse for any type of mainstream media outlet not to have at least one person on their staff kind of dedicated to covering women's sports. And so I feel like, you know, I can continue to call that out. And, and it is a little bit more of an aggressive strategy, but uh, so far it's worked for the Sparks. We'll be back with more Believe in Sparks after this message from my bookie. You're listening to the Believe Podcast Network. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all. From the NBA to the Premier League, they've got the fastest payouts, best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you've got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit two grand, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. Bet, win, get paid. One of the, my most exciting things that I shared with our listeners recently was when the WNBA recognized outstanding achievement in team marketing and business operations for the 2019 season, and the LA Sparks received three of the league's top awards, including franchise of the year. Now that means all 12 teams that competed during 2019 were eligible for honors 
these awards were spotlighted by the teams that were excelling and bringing fans into the arena, the partnership, growing the brand, and you are on the front lines of growing the brand. And to be franchise of the year for 2019, how extraordinarily special that was for you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's funny. We're, we're all very excited to win that award, but we also recognize there's still so much growth that needs to happen that, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it was awesome to get that acknowledgement, but we're kind of just really focused on 2020. Um, Cause in our minds, like this was just kind of the beginning and obviously Danita came in in her first year, laid out an incredible vision and we were able to get that, but you know, we all know there's still a lot to be done. What are some of the ideas that you have for 2020? Now it's about how do we find actionable ways to kind of hold outlets accountable to improving upon that. And so to get that 4% a lot higher and to actually find some tangible ways and, and proposals to outlets um, to say, hey, can you commit to this? and find ways that, that are reasonable to them that don't, don't necessarily break their bank and are creative, and, but can also allow for more equitable coverage. Last season, the Sparks finished third in the WNBA. And when you think about first teams, you got to talk about Chelsea Gray, man. She's hands down one of the top point guards in the league. In what ways has she impressed you? And uh, what have you seen in terms of fans really falling in love with her game? Yeah, I mean, I, I was very happy for Chelsea when she got the first team all WNBA nod. Um, I think that's, it, it's interesting. I feel like all WNBA should kind of be a bigger deal. Like, you know, I think we talk a lot about All-Star and other awards, but that's literally, you know, all WNBA first team is five best players in the league. And obviously with the positions, you know, obviously we could probably debate a little bit how that shakes out. But to get that honor is essentially the best point guard in the league, I think, says a lot. Um, you know, I think she's, she can just do it all. And, and the no-look passes, I think that's something I'm really pushing SportsCenter to show a little bit more. But um, I've just, it's just been fun to watch her play um, the three-point shooting. I mean, even in the post, she's unstoppable if you can get her on a smaller guard. and just her vision. And I think she can get even better, which is a scary thing for the rest of the league. <laughs> Absolutely. It is it, very exciting for this upcoming season. As we look forward to star studded roster with Candace Parker, of course, Chelsea, the Agumake sisters. I love watching Shanae as well. She's getting more and more accustomed to the system and you know, her role is going to be so much bigger in 2020. What do you expect from her and how quickly did you see her get acclimated? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think people forget she was the number one pick and, you know, multiple time all star. And um, she was the ultimate teammate willing to come off the bench last season. But if you notice, like the games that she was starting, you know, we obviously had a myriad of injuries. Um, she put up very similar numbers to that to that all star level. So you saw that that's still there. Um, and now that, like you said, year two, understanding your teammates, understanding your role, um, but 
she, you know, she was instrumental. I mean, there was a period of the season we were down to, I think, seven or eight active players um, and were able to rattle off a few wins there before the All-Star break. And she was a very key piece to that. She will definitely be someone to keep an eye on in 2020. So is true for a healthy Candace Parker. That is something that is not to be um, dismissed, that she didn't play really at full strength for most, most of the season if she played any, any minutes at all. Yeah, exactly. So I think, again, when you really look back on the season to finish third place and make it to the final four, so to speak, of the WNBA, knowing that, you know, Candace missed a lot of the season. Uh, Maria Vadiva missed, I think it was 17 games um, for overseas commitments. Elena Beard missed a lot of the season. And even Alexis Jones, who, you know, kind of we, we brought in um, to hopefully give some relief at the point guard position, you know, she suffered a, a knee injury that set her back and Chelsea had to play a, a lot more minutes. So I think once you kind of once those minutes can be spread across a lot of these players that had to miss time, I think you'll see a much fresher team come playoffs next year. Um, a successful first year under Coach Fisher and, and just building from there. Support for Believe in Sparks comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code BLEAV. Under first-year head coach Derek Fisher, the Los Angeles Sparks secured the number three seed in the WNBA playoffs after finishing the regular season with a 22-12 and record. What were your first impressions of Derek Fisher? From the first day, it was just very authentic, very genuine, and, and you know, even the players have repeated, you know, in the media when, you know, he said, I'm not, I'm not Derek Fisher of, of the NBA, of the Lakers, of the Knicks, like, I'm your head coach. And I feel like that really set a tone where it was an open door policy and, you know, getting to know players and building relationships. And I think that foundation is so key. And I think now him seeing the league for a year, now some of those, some of that kind of coaching expertise that he can build on, I think we'll see next season. I agree with that. And he was definitely one of my favorites to work with during my time with the NBA. And since we're talking a little bit about the coach, Derek Fisher, and the NBA, I want to take a moment and recognize that David Stern, the NBA commissioner during the most successful period in NBA league history, passed on January the 1st. He had a brain hemorrhage that he suffered three weeks prior. He was 77 years old. Now, David Stern's vision led to the founding of the WNBA and the inaugural season, which we know was in 1997, without his commitment to women's sports, which continues to grow and provide opportunities for women and young girls in basketball, this may be an altogether different looking league. What are your thoughts on what Stern was able to accomplish all those years ago and what you know of him 
to have been such a supporter of women in, in sports? Obviously it was also emotional, but very awesome to see just kind of universally, whether it was people from the NBA or the WNBA or people that had worked in both. I think you saw on social media that everyone just had such great things to say about him and his leadership. Um, so I feel, you know, obviously it's extremely sad news, but the man built an incredible legacy for both leagues. And I think, you know, that his approach to the WNBA definitely inspires me because the more I've, I've read about it and talked to people that were around when it was starting, like this wasn't a sure thing. And he had to really convince a lot of people and turn some heads and take a chance that many other people may not have been willing to take. Um, I even heard Jackie McMullen on NBA TV saying even he used to sit down with the national media and like persuade them that this league is going to grow and it deserves coverage. And so um, when I kind of heard that, you know, I didn't know he was even that much in the weeds, like talking to media in that sense. And so that's even just further evidence of how much he cared about this league. And so I feel like it is important that all of us involved with the W kind of continue that because if we've seen over the last years, like, that can ebb and flow with how much media attention it's getting and the type of resources. So I feel like it's important to remember to really keep pushing. I agree with that. And, and like every NBA legend, David had extraordinary talents. And what I appreciated about him more than just his attention to detail, more than just his desire to see, obviously the NBA go global, the WNBA continue to grow. The times that I interviewed him, he always stressed the fundamentals of the whole process. It wasn't just the big picture. It wasn't just the end game. He always talked about being prepared and the hard work that it takes and continuing to dialogue. And those were things that were very important for me when I would sit down and, and have conversation with him or interview him. David Stern took over the NBA in 1984. He was the commissioner for three decades and shepherded the league into a global market. He helped expand the game on the backbone of the NBA star players highlighted by the Dream Team's impact at the 1992 Olympics. Along with the WNBA, Stern was a staple in the NBA Development League, now known as the G League, providing countless opportunities for players to pursue careers playing basketball in the United States that previously weren't available. Eli, before we let you go, there's one more player I want to talk more about. She does not get the publicity she deserves. She's an MVP. She's a voice of the league. Let's talk a little bit more about Neka Agumike. Yeah, Neka has just been an incredible person to get to know over these past two seasons. I mean, on the court, I think she's still an underrated player. Um, obviously, she was recognized in 2016 with the MVP um, and helped the team win their third championship, obviously with the game-winning putback in Game 5 that year. Um, but even just like looking at this year, she's just so consistent. Every single game, you know you're going to get 15-plus points, 8-plus rebounds. And I actually think she's one of the best defensive players in the league too. And I think, you know, obviously, Elena Beard won back-to-back -back Defensive Player of the Year awards. And um, we hear a lot about the taller bigs like your grinders and fouls who block a lot of shots. 
But as far as like positional defense, when you watch NECA, she's just always in the right spot. And when you look at like some advanced stats and I, I kind of get nerdy with that stuff, like people <laughs> just don't score against her. Um, she's just always in the right spot. Um, but then off the court, you know, obviously she's a players union president. Um, she's, you see her doing a lot more stuff with media and, um, you know, the space jam two coming out. So I just, I, I hope she just continues to get more and more of the recognition she deserves where, I think obviously everyone in the women's basketball community knows and appreciates her, but I hope she gets to that level um, of Candace or a Diana Taurasi where just all sports fans kind of recognize her talents on and off the court. Eli Horowitz, Director of Public Relations and Communications for your Los Angeles Sparks. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for creating the show and keeping it going. And like, especially in the off season, um, you know, it's easy for the WNBA for people to kind of drop out with their coverage and really respect and appreciated that you stay consistent with this um, and really look forward um, to the new year. And I think you'll find there'll be a lot of exciting news and things to talk about coming up shortly. I look forward to the 2020 season that is just around the corner. It's going to be an exciting season. This is a team to get out and support. We cannot speak enough about the LA Sparks, so we're going to keep doing it. Make sure you join us for our next episode right here on Believe in Sparks. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can also follow Sydney at SweetsBaby24, and I'm at Stacy Pates. Everyone has a favorite photo. Now you can turn yours into canvas wall art at canvasworld.com. Canvasworld.com will print your photograph on a handcrafted custom canvas at the size of your choice. They combine the latest technology and environmentally friendly inks to produce canvas prints that are higher quality than ever available before. And they guarantee their work for life. Maybe that's why six of the country's top 10 hotel chains choose Canvas World. Their prices are a fraction of what you'd pay elsewhere and it's easy. Just upload your photo, choose a size, and you're done. They'll even digitally retouch your photo absolutely free. Place your order at canvasworld.com today and save 35% plus get free shipping when you enter promo code photo at checkout. Get big Canvas prints at big savings at canvasworld.com and save 35% and get free shipping when you enter promo code photo at checkout. Check out. Order yours today at canvasworld.com. That's canvasworld.com, where photos become art. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.